previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. And there's Mr. X again. Hello. And I go, nope. There is only one Mr. X in this game. Take that, you slimy son of a bitch. Well, I'm still disappointed there's not a hats on all enemies mode. This is definitely a Cliffhanger's version of Resident Evil 2. And I've seen some funny videos of him trying to get into save rooms and then kind of yeah. going, Hello? Just watch the opening clip of Seven where Mia goes, Hello! Into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> How does she go, Nick? Welcome to episode 51 of the Project Umbrella podcast, the great canon debate of our time. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and you can follow me on Twitter at RE underscore Neptune. Let's see who's joining me today. You can follow him at TheBatman11939159. It's the Batman. Yeah, I really need to change that. Hello? <laughs> you can follow him at Stars Tyrant. It's Stars Tyrant. Uh, underscore Tyrant, but nice one. Uh, thank you. Hello. And finally, you can follow him on the local New Zealand crime watch. It's Rombie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks. Coming up on uh, this anticipated podcast, should we say, we're going to be looking fundamentally at the canon issues of the remake of Resident Evil 2. Or is it a reimagining? That's the whole purpose of the podcast. We're then going to look at how the remake 2 fits in with the old timeline. Does it replace the original? These are the questions that we're going to be posing, and we're going to be finishing off with Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Look, man, I'm serious, okay? I saw this with my own eyes. Oh, I believe you, buddy. I believe you. <laughs> Just tell us a story. Tell us a story. Okay, well, it was last Friday night. I was walking home from the bar, and this woman started coming towards me. She was staggering, you know, so I, I figured she was drunk. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, tell us, be honest now, how many drinks did you have? No, man, I, I barely had a buzz on her. Oh, come on. Look, just listen, all right? She got closer, and I got a good look at her. You had to see her eyes, her nose, her whole face. It looked like it was rotting. Yeah. She looked like a corpse, like a walking corpse, man. <laughs> Sounds like my wife. I've never seen anything like it. I haven't been able to sleep since that night. All right, calm down, buddy, calm down. Just, hey, you got to stay strong, okay? Don't give in to fear out there, right? Yeah, well, you got that right. If you freeze up around these things, you'll sink to teeth in the I saw a taxi, buddy. Oh, come on. Just getting good. I need some sleep. Oh, shit! Ah! 
controversial, challenging, demanding, explicit, and that's just Batman playing Ghost Survivors. Resident <laughs> Evil 2 Remake has been a game long in the making and requesting. The original is quite rightly heralded as a cornerstone of survival horror on any platform, taking the original game, amping up 20 times, but still retaining the horror and tension-filled atmosphere from the Spencer Mansion. In the glory days of the PlayStation, this was one of the first blockbuster games that took what was seen as a nerdish and geeky pastime into the mainstream, famously being immortalised in the TV show Spaced and spawning a devoted following in the process. As soon as the original game was remade, the clamour for Resident Evil 2 began, and now, in 2019, Capcom have delivered. As we discussed in the last podcast, on the whole, they've done a sterling job, both in terms of graphical ability and bringing proper survival horror to the masses. However, as dust settles on this masterpiece, we now must question where this sits in what has generally been a fairly consistent 20-plus year biohazard narrative. Is it to be ignored and cast aside? Glorious reimagining, just like Operation Raccoon City? Or does it replace the beloved original in one fatal swoop? And if so, what about the many other games intrinsically linked to this series? Is this game canon? Batman? No. For me, the original takes precedence in almost every respect. Well, there you go. And so it's goodbye for me, Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! I, I think know that one was coming. <laughs> Joking aside, I'm intrigued as to a general introduction from each and one of you about the canon issues. Batman has started there. Rombie, what's your preliminary views? I think you guys picked it quite early. As you guys got more enthused about the actual game once it was shown, you were hoping like it's more of a reimagining, and I think it's pretty obvious that fundamentally the game across the board from top to bottom is a reimagining and they've cherry picked and changed what they felt was necessary and this is the worst thing it's almost to take the air out of the tyres but I don't foresee any real issues to say it's a separate thing but in of itself that asks some other bigger questions about how that appears to be in the fan base and how it will progress moving forward yeah they haven't made it as overt as I think publicly as well as what it actually is but that's discussion to be yet how he had considering that we were all um, sat extremely worried about what the damage to the timeline and whatnot was going to happen and I drew some graphs and charts and everything like that to depict uh, how bad I thought the damage was going to be I sit here now very comfortable with knowing that there is just one in terms of like the canon and the timeline there is just one Resident Evil 2 and that is the original this game is a nice sort of counterpoint but no more canon than the the retellings in Dark Side Chronicles or whatever that's not to say it's not great it's brilliant, but I sit here now looking, you know, I don't fear Remake 3 in any way whatsoever now, because even in that case, Resident Evil 3, the original, the PlayStation original, will be the canon. This is a very different situation to what we were presented with when um, the original remake of Resident Evil 1 came out, which clearly was meant as a replacement, if you will. This is, as Rombie said, it's a reimagining. It's designed to sit happily alongside, but not replace. It's a different game to what the original remake was. Okay, so let's break that down a bit further and then make a dissection of the game, so to speak. So looking at the plot of Remake 2, I think we've already discussed that there's uh, almost like, it's almost like a greatest hits of Resident Evil 2, isn't it? It's kind of got the best bits of it, the key points uh, as you progress through the game. But there's been some changes, and uh, we touched upon it briefly last time, such as uh, Leon's revised backstory 
um, the RPD as well. So what's everyone's view on, on these changes? I suppose the question then aligns as to are these changes going to be incorporated into the timeline? Do we cherry pick particular good things? I like the Jazz Festival, for example. That's not going to harm the canon anyway. But is that the sort of change that we want to see and, and to be included as part of an overall narrative? I think the changes are, for the most part, inconsequential, which goes hand in hand with how self-contained and closed in the game is anyone who's played it now looking for those big canon references or you know name drops and things like that they're not to be found in this title and anyone who goes back and plays the original now it'll almost surprise you as to just how many references there are you know Marvin's opening speech in the original is actually full of detail it's basically like a little narrated recap of the first game compared to the remake where like literally nothing is mentioned about a mansion on the outskirts of this city and so any of the changes I, I don't think they're going to... They'll impact Remake 3 because this entire project is sort of hand-in-hand hand with that. But I think moving forward, I don't think anything that 2-make or 3-make does will be referenced outside of these two titles, no. The issue I have with it, with the changes they've made as well, is Sean's right, they are self-contained, so I don't think it's going to harm things going forward. But it's the fact they've made changes simply for the sake of it, which doesn't benefit this story. And that's what I don't like, especially... I mean, the RPD date change that sort of mistake is not found anywhere in the series you know yes there is minor inconsistencies but that's just normal given how big the storyline is now with 25 plus titles but the rpd being changed from the late 1980s which was referenced in files in dark side chronicles and outbreak file 2 to being changed to 1969 is pointless when it doesn't impact the story and no explanation is given for the change and this is the sort of thing i have problems with and there's other things. Leon's original backstory was better because his original start date was September 29th, so it was almost fate he was driving into the city that night and meeting Claire. Now we know his start date was originally September 25th, but he was told to stay away, so he randomly drives in on the 29th. You know, it's just not as good. Mm-hmm. And if you look deeper as well, the opening lines in the game, the truck driver's listening to a phone-in about someone recalling his encounter with a drunk female who tried to bite him last Friday night. Looking at the calendar, that's September 25th. The record of events file in Japanese also states this was the same date the police station was turned into a civilian shelter following large riots in the city. Both these points seem to indicate this date as being the point in the reimagining universe that the outbreak started to spiral out of control. Yet in terms of larger canon, this seems ignores events from Outbreak because by the time September 25th comes around both Outbreak, Hellfire and Wild Things have occurred. Martial law has already been declared in the city and the army has completely blockaded the city. The remake seems to seemingly ignore all this based on the first several lines of the script. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'll admit, I mean, I didn't say in that little recap I did, I'm not happy for the changes. I don't understand the point of them, similar to what John's just said there. You know, it, it's all right changing, like, little details of character to suit your reimagining you're trying to do. But, like, dates, they should really be, like, locked in. And unless you're given... I mean, like, we were all sort of, you know, wondering what the significance of changing the uh, police station to 1969 was, and there isn't a single one, is there? No. It's just, no. There's just absolutely no reason for it to occur in, in the game. So, I, I, why not? 
not just make it 1989? It just. I think it's all about the aesthetics of how old the building is. That's basically all the, the only reason they've tried to justify it, thinking of it in more realistic terms. But it wouldn't have made any difference because it's an old building. They could have refurbished it for use of as a police station any time. It doesn't have to be the late 60s. It could have been yeah 70s, 80s. It wouldn't have made any difference in that sense. But if you've already got an established date or roughly an established date, you might as well stick with it. I mean, it, it can either just be an oversight or the writer's remit was just ignore everything from Outbreak. The city doesn't start developing and thriving till the 60s anyway, does it? Not really, no. So it doesn't really give the museum much time to have actually been opened and be like a landmark mm. before it was retrofitted into a station. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. And also, I guess that goes hand in hand. I mean, the idea about the change in the city from the 60s makes sense going hand in hand with the rise of Umbrella. So Yes, it's just, of course. There has to be someone here. Not good. David! Marvin! You there? I found a way out! It's in here! Send reinforcements! East hallway! I've got to find that guy. And other little things as well, like they've changed Elliot Edwards' death, which I think I've mentioned in previous episodes, contradicts files uh, explaining the downfall of the police and the way the station is sealed off in certain areas. But simple changes like that affect other things, like the helicopter crash in this reimagining now just completely happens at random without explanation. And that simply isn't as good as the original when that helicopter crash is a culmination of several files which shows Elliot being the only surviving officer trying to escape. What is the point of the helicopter crash in the reimagining? It's like it's there just for the sake of it. And it's confusing as well in the sense that because you don't get the separate helicopter crash and then you get the tyrant being deployed, they almost look like the same event now, Mm. you know. I've even seen seen people say on like comments and whatnot online that the helicopter is um, how the tyrant is deployed in this and it's like no that's not the case. The tyrant did not down that helicopter and then climb out of it. The thing is that almost would have been more acceptable if we had actually seen say the tyrant had leaped at the helicopter or done something to the helicopter or had somehow climbed onto the helicopter and caused the crash and we'd seen that. Mm. At least that would give some explanation to it but we don't see anything like that so well yeah because Mr X is his own you know backstory character really I know he's a walking undead POW but you are introduced in the original to his presence uh, backed up by Survivor and whatnot and yeah he just suddenly appears and in fact he obviously appears done with Ben first and <laughs> destroys him before uh, randomly uh, moving the, the helicopter out of the way and talking of Ben his story has somewhat changed being a in, in a, involved in a uh, romantic uh, relationship with Catherine Warren. See, that's an interesting question. Is that her official name? In the same way that Rita Phillips is it? Is that now her official second name? They're the things I do take, because there's no harm in it. There's no harm in Rita's surname being Phillips. If it contradicted something in file two, which I don't think she has ever given a surname no, anyway, is she? so that's fine. Um, I don't think Michael Warren's daughter was ever given a name. So things like that are absolutely fine. And with Ben being a journalist, you could see him wanting to get close to someone like the mayor's daughter to try and get information. Yeah. So mm. that's a natural change. But sticking with Mr. X for a moment, obviously another change there is his role in the game. Now he's sent in just to kill any survivors, where in the, as in the original, he had a specific goal to recover the G-virus, which Sherry had been a pendant. And of course, 
virus in this game. She doesn't have the G virus in a pendant. You know, this to me isn't as good because it makes it less believable for the tyrant to show up in certain places in the game. For example, if they'd stuck to the original storyline, Mr. X would have appeared at the orphanage because he was tracking Claire because she had picked up the pendant containing the sample, but now he just randomly appears there for no reason, which just isn't as good, in my opinion, anyway. Mm. Yeah, the tyrant's not deployed to wipe out everybody in the city, is it? Mm. So that's actually the fact that it actually leaves ground in terms of the station and actually, you know, heads out into the city, as you could say, is a, is a bizarre one. Yes, because, you know, in theory, there's bound to be more survivors, perhaps a greater concentration of survivors elsewhere, in theory. Why? I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that he will continuously stalk you because you are surviving. So to an extent, that makes sense. But confirmed as only being one, I might add. Uh, yeah, the director, uh, Kadois, confirmed it in an interview. There is only one Mr. X. It's about the scenarios themselves being yeah. separate, parallel stories, essentially, like parallel universe lines. You know, that this is one scenario that could have happened. This is another scenario. No, it could have happened, which is weird. <laughs> That's more akin to the original game, as we said in a previous episode, isn't it? it as in, as in Resident Evil One. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's not the branching narrative that was the original two scenario A and B and B. Yeah, um, which is weird because then they've added, like, in theory, obviously the second run games are, as we've established, exactly the same as the first-run games, with the exception of the final boss appearing. And that's the only difference. It's literally the only difference. So mm. if you play yeah, Leon's first and Leon's second, the story is exactly the same. Claire's first, Claire's second is the same, except for that last thing. Which, again, nullifies why they even bothered making but, the second-run scenarios. You get, the, you get the tweaked beginning as well, don't you? Oh, it's slightly altered open because, yeah, it's a reverse. And that's it. That's literally it. I listened to an interview with Brent Friedman, who wrote the script for the game and his remit was to write two scenarios only one for Claire one for Leon Capcom made it very clear to him that the zapping system wasn't going to be in it and even he said in the interview when he played the final game and there was four scenarios even he didn't really understand what was going on I think he was called back to write additional dialogue for events that were written from a different point of view but other than that he said he had no involvement with the B scenarios mm. or the second scenarios as well whatever they come do you think they just they did what they thought was long enough and then Pat was realised that this really isn't long enough and decided to then tack it on. Yes. I think there was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction as well when they found out when... Do you remember the online sort of reaction when they said that wasn't going to be the AB thing? Mm. It would have been very easy to sort of tailor on the G5 battle post that reaction. Yes. I feel like that was probably always part of it but it was always just going to be part of the scenario run. So you were never going to have this say it was the original the way it works in the second run scenario was how the first run scenario was originally supposed to work anyway so that when you finish the the last fight respective for Leon or Claire with either the Tyrant or the um, other G mutation then you would eventually go onto the cutscene and the train and it would just continue as per normal and then the last boss but they just ended up shifting that part to the second run that's it the whole thing though the second run thing creates an unnecessary headache amongst communities and comments and things like that because you do have these ridiculous arguments that people have to almost put forward to try and i mean we know there's not even a need to try and and like explain away the second run um inconsistencies and things like that but people are trying to online and that's like a bit of a headache that's the reason why we have these elaborate theories why there are three tyrants running around because they clearly show one being destroyed in um you know claire's first run and the people who are actually trying to piece the narratives together as per the original resident evil 2 they're having to resort to these like rather ridiculous theories to try and explain it away when the actual you know 
there is no need to because it wasn't the intention of you know joining everything up anyway it's mm. created a rather unnecessary headache that the original game didn't have mm. but this begs the question and it's kind of similar along the lines of what you guys were saying before about say the police station's inception date was there any need to have done this in any way could they not have just you know made a remake that literally just was a remake of the original and kept those scenarios and kept it I mean this is the thing that probably bothers me the most about it is like I pointed it out to people just because I think it's so hilarious you you look at the development timeline for the original game they started what late 96 started on 1.5 got 70-80% of that done scrapped it took whatever surviving assets they could from it and then created a new game in less than a year probably more like nine months and yet the development of the remake 2 they've had three and a half years to make it Mm. (laughs) that's insane and I understand that games are bigger now and that development costs are different and the fidelity is different and there's a lot to do probably with what the tweaking on the engine and all that sort of stuff but still like it just boggles my mind in some respect all I wanted from the remake too I didn't want like the four scenarios this time around I just wanted one clear story Mm. and that was it you know I wanted Leon's campaign I wanted Claire's campaign and they all interweave and, and tie alongside really really well I wasn't necessarily bothered about having the Claire A Leon A thing but just one structured well held together narrative that you play from the two characters perspectives yeah yeah, yeah and the yeah. idea of them splitting up different. worked quite well as well you know I was quite happy with you know the, even the introduction of like the orphanage for example that was quite exciting I think kind of moving forward and that made sense to an extent that that's Claire's bit and then perhaps uh, Leon needed a more of a, a diversion once getting out of the RPD into a new area you know as his substitute they all then kind of joined back in the sewers you know perhaps even made their way to the lab at the same time and then one went that way one went the other way you know, who knows? That could have worked quite well within the same length because historically the B scenarios I've always felt have been a bit shorter than the A scenario, and they could have had two equal length you know scenarios running side by side, completing the game. And I remember when I started up B scenarios, like oh I can't wait to see what bosses I get to fight this time. And I, I then mentally went back through the A scenario. Go, wait a minute, I've done Burke in G1, done G2, I've done G3, I've done the Alligator, and I was like, uh, what's left? What's left? And you know, it was it was all a bit I'm not sure what's left and there wasn't I think I said on chat oh, I'm looking forward to the moth boss fight you know hopefully that's the only thing I can't <laughs> think of we've had perhaps another baby you know a big baby G of some sort a G adult or something like that but that was a disappointing factor and because as I said the game hints at there being the zapping system but doesn't quite implement it well you fell for it in the sense that you were starting to leave stuff in the lockers as well I was, I was, that yeah. was mm, that's the other fundamental bit for people who have played the original they may have been expecting these things because of the yeah exactly as we said before the expectations of the original game have set the expectations and that's why some people are trying to justify these scenarios because they're like well that's how the original works remember not picking up the second spare key of the weapons room and not risking going back because I didn't have enough ammo and I'm gutted that Claire won't be able to access it because I've picked it up and not done it like that 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 was my mentality but alas it made no difference about the orphanage. I, I just find it way too coincidental Umbrella's one of the benefactors. You told me this interview is about the new scholarship Umbrella set up. <laughs> Come on, Annette. Nobody cares about that. They want to know about the G-Virus. Where did you hear about this? And a big fucking sinkhole in the city, which, by the way, rumor has it goes straight to your underground lab. Now, are yeah. you going to talk to me? Or are you going to... This interview is over. <laughs> Bitch. 
going back to the canon issue for a minute, I think asking whether this game is canon is probably the wrong question. And it's mm. the key question is, is, does this game replace the original? Because the canon has always been quite a broad mix. You can't play the true canon in the original Resident Evil and you can't play the true canon in Resident Evil 2. You know, people always say, well, it's Claire A, Leon B. It's not as black and white as that. It's a mix of all four scenarios. You know, like the original game, you cannot play the literal canon of events. It's a mixture of things happening off screen and combined elements that you don't get to see in a single scenario. Yes, in the case of Resident Evil 2, Claire A, Leon B was the main structure in terms of major plot points, like Sherry's infection and uh, Ada returning to throw the rocket launcher. But there's also elements of Leon A, Claire B in there. You know, background exposition files from Dark Side Chronicles confirm Leon is the canonical character that meets Robert Kendo in his shop. This only happens in Leon A and this later ties into a small grey canon side story about how Leon acquires his handgun which he carries in Resident Evil 4 and Degeneration because Joseph Kendo made it for him. Yeah. You know, a flashback in Degeneration shows Claire is the character that fights William Birkin's G1 form. That only happens in Claire B. You know, Death's Door Umbrella Chronicles confirms Ada recovered G-virus from a tissue fragment of Birkin's corpse and not Sherry's pendant which supports events from Leon A, you know, so it's a mix of all four scenarios. And I just want to give one example from one scene as a hypothetical way that events transpired, which is Ada's death scene. Now, does she fall off the gantry or does she get smacked by Mr. X and die in Leon's arms? Well, yeah, she dies in Leon's arms. She doesn't fall off the gantry, but she has a sample of the G-virus from Sherry's pendant, which is Leon B. She's injured by the tyrant and is faking a death for Leon's benefit, and she dies. This is all from Leon B. Leon is angry about a death, takes the G-virus sample from her, laments how everyone is dying and throws it away. That's Leon A and Wesker's report. Ada is playing dead at this point, cannot stop Leon's actions. Once Leon is gone, Ada gets up to escape, but because she no longer has the virus, she obtains a new sample from Birkin corpse which is leon a wesker's report again she then returns to throw the rocket launcher to leon leon b you know <laughs> it's a mix of all four i know it sounds daft but that's how it works and the same logic could be applied to the climax of resident evil one in the lab who's in the lab is it barry and jill is it chris and rebecca is it all of them the point is you can't play the literal sequence of events this is a point that Vito raised i think on on the facebook forums you know there is no true scenario it's a kind of mixture of all of them could our four scenarios from the original be added and made eight scenarios or is that too much of a headache well instead of saying well yeah all eight scenarios are canon you, you know it's the broader mix both games are called resident evil 2 and under that umbrella you could say yeah together but what would you add from this game because we've all agreed that the original tells a better story and the only really original content in this is the orphanage stuff which you could probably yeah. add without any issue everything else has been purposefully remixed and reimagined to make it a fresh experience and if not it's left vague and yeah. without permission and which is this is the thing i was going to say when I'm listening to what you were putting together john it's kind of a shame like i think that's the biggest part is that you've got this ample opportunity actually exactly as sean said earlier which is that just having two scenarios that overlap you know you could have made all those events canon like what you've just talked about with what's from a and what's from b they could have had one scenario where all that happened exactly yeah. there's nothing there's nothing stopping them from doing that as far as the remake and actually settling a one a 
single decent length scenario of both characters. See, the interesting thing is then, John, because like you and I have both worked on like you know our own sort of personal projects, and I you know did the timeline a few years ago and that. And when I came to approach in the original remake, you obviously included everything that was in the remake, but I also took stuff that was in the original that wasn't brought over, like you know the infamous scrapbook, and yep. I put that into the timeline. With regards to this one moving forward, I wouldn't put the orphanage in there. You wouldn't. I don't think I would. No. Why? Because it's so strange. I don't know why I wouldn't, but it's just the feeling of how this just like doesn't take precedence in a way that this way I feel didn't happen when the original remake came out. I knew the original remake effectively replaced the original, but then I was still happy to include things like the scrapbook because there was no need for it, you know, no reason why it couldn't. Because this is a reimagining, it is such a different approach I think you have to take. And I can't put my finger on exactly why. I take that point. I do see where you're coming from. And to an extent, I do agree. But like I've always said, I see this as a game that sits alongside the original as an accompaniment rather than a replacement. So I can take elements from this and apply them to the overall canon, especially in terms of the orphanage, because it doesn't really, you know, it's, it's just new information. It's like the stuff that would be added in the Chronicles games. It's just new information that can be added to the old. Yeah. What are you taking, though? Are you taking the fact that Claire visits the orphanage? Not necessarily that, just that Umbrella have the orphanage, that Chief Irons is the director, and that test subjects right. are being sent to the lab from there or whatever. You know, that sort of stuff adds to the story. It doesn't contradict it. It doesn't take anything away. And if you but, don't want to add it, you're not, you're not really losing anything. Where's your cut-off point? Are we going to include old Mr. Wayne Lee and all those test subjects and uh, the seemingly new hierarchy of Umbrella USA? Mm. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask about, all these new names. That's going to be an interesting point we'll get onto in a minute, is I'm frustrated by the addition of all these new names and a complete, like, uh, ignorance of all the older ones. Yeah. I'll mention Christine Henry again. You know, she should have been Jane Doyle (laughs) in these files. There is no reason to introduce this new character. I know it, it comes from, again, that sort of want to keep it self-contained and to not make references but just adding an entirely new pool of names just creates a headache because you are going to get these people who are going to try and make it all work and you know Jane Doyle is doing the Christine Henry role in this game yeah it is it's interesting I mean you're going to get people who are going to try and add it all together but it's clear in my eyes that it's, it's not meant to be that way I mean we've had a theory that these files have been written because this game is purposely being kept self-contained you know I'm sure people will try and say well this Wayne Lee fellow was part of Birkin's team and worked with characters from Resident Evil 2 but I can't see that as being the you know the original intention people can try and put it together if they want to but I don't think that's the intent I think these characters were created purely to keep this game you know as self-contained as possible I think I've mentioned it before again the copy of emails to Umbrella headquarters file seems to change the backstory they've got rid of Christine Henry and her sending in Hunk's team it seems to be this director Owens or chairman Owens who has sabotaged the lab uh, and made sure no one can escape and sent Hunk's team in. Now people could say, right, well, let's just easily get around that and say that Chairman Owens is working with Christine Henry and they've collaborated together to do it and that could fit, I suppose but was that the original intention? I don't think so. Who is it who outs Owens in this in the end? Who's his email you read? Uh, I don't think we get who the sender is, but he's obviously stuck in the lab and he's asking Owens for help and Owens is ignoring him and then he sort of cottons on at the end. Well, it's you, you bastard. You've you've done all this. 
But how can you ignore that? But then pick, you know, because a director file works seemingly without contradiction, you go, I'll have that bit. Isn't that a bit cherry picking? Well, yeah, but on the other hand, you could say the orphanage is completely new material, isn't it? Whereas these files, if you're taking the original as precedent, then the reason for Hunk's team being sent in is already explained in the original. It's like we're ignoring many story elements in this game because they're told better and more clearly in the first game. But I'm talking purely in terms of original material, which is the orphanage. I'm not saying I would include it. I'm just saying you, <laughs> you, could. you, you, could, you could. We already have an explanation in the original game why Hunk's team's been sent in. So do we need to replace that with what happens in this game? No, because it's a reimagining. What's your view, Rob? Uh, I've always had this problem, and I can totally see where the, both the guys are coming from. And even you can see between them, like, look, talking about the orphanage, like John's perspective on it compared to Sean's, and it, it's a slippery slope. It always has been. And over the years, I've questioned how a lot of these scenario connections work anyway, let alone the canonicity of certain elements, especially when remakes happen. It's really difficult. I think it's really easy for us to be very blanket in our approach as far as, like, it's because it's a reimagined and it's separate, it's much easier to keep those things separate until otherwise if that makes sense like i think that's probably the better resolve and that's where i'm probably more on maybe sean's side than john's in that respect that i wouldn't i probably wouldn't start throwing stuff in until i felt comfortable that it was a continual reason to keep say the orphanage stuff and that's not because the orphanage stuff couldn't fit and it shouldn't fit it's just because it's, it's easier to keep it less messy that way and then that's going kind of looking at the same thing with the names it's like <sighs> It's a very difficult situation, and I'm. I think at the end of the day, I'm just more disappointed, as I said earlier, that they had an opportunity here to use as much reference material their you know, previous setup and crafts and scenarios that would have fit perfectly, and we wouldn't even have to have this debate. We would have sat through the game and gone, "Wow, that fit really, really well." And there's a few bits of new information that still fit really well. I'm really happy about it, but instead, we, you have to look at it more from a layperson's really bad term to say, but you know, someone yeah. who doesn't know the canon that well, they don't know the difference. They're just going to assume that this is the way the story is. I mean, there's always been issues even within the the pre-existing canon. I mean, I think off the top of my head, like Rebirth. Is it Rebirth? No, Nightmare. Sorry, uh, Umbrella Chronicles with Rebecca and Richard. There's a, you know, how does Richard get to that point? Because he's injured in the library, isn't he? In that, at the end, and then he, then you find him a couple of hours later upstairs. You know, that doesn't work. But yeah. you can. You can go, well, you know, you've got two canon sources. You've got, he finishes the library, ends up there. At some point, he made a trip or, you know, whatever. Even in scenarios like well, that, you're kind you, of filling you, in the gaps. You, well, you're not even doing that because essentially what we're talking about is exactly what John was talking about earlier, which is that the only canon elements that you need to know is that he was injured at some point and he was found at some point. Mm. Where it was and where it ends up being is not the relevant part because that changes depending on the the content, the version of the story events you're playing. But those elements are the bits that are unifiably the same. That's all that matters. But this is the problem because, and we haven't even touched on, but like you look at Remake 2 and now it has no connective visual tissue, say with the marshalling yard. So that means even on a locational basis, there's no connection to the scenarios and outbreak with that or Resident Evil Zero. And so even on that basis, like on a locations basis, we're talking about a different sort of lonely plot points, but that automatically disconnects that from those games. Games. Mm-hmm. So yeah, certainly the the lab is one of the big changes to this game, and, the, and we you know we started speaking about the kind of canonicity there of that, and its title of the nest 
and whatnot and Hunk's mission. Quite a few changes now, colloquially dubbed Operation Nest Wrecker. <laughs> I don't mind them calling it Nest if they wanted to call it Nest. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, they wanted to actually establish a name for it rather than the Umbrella Lab under Raccoon City. You know, like, that's fine. That's cool. There's nothing, even if they've been telling a story and that was the new canon name for it, we'd probably be completely fine. Because yeah. it doesn't change anything else. I mean, and essentially, I guess they're trying to avoid calling it The Hive. <laughs> but, you know. It's like, damn, what's enough, it use you know? it? It's a good name. It's a good name. Use it, buddy Anderson. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not that far removed. So I can see where they're going with it. And um, it's just, it, yeah, I, I think that's the thing I'm in, inherently frustrated at is that the, even the stuff that shouldn't have been changed has been changed for the sake of seemingly, like, as I said, like the marshalling out's probably the most obvious, and labs are the most obvious ones. But there's plenty of elements like that throughout the game. It's interesting you you mentioned the hive there as well because I have actually seen people now refer to the Birkin lab as nest and I think that's going to be something that sticks for many people even with regards to discussions in the original game. Mm. Which is fine, as I said. Like yeah. it's just at least we know what they're referring to. Is what it is. I agree with Rob there. I mean, yeah, it does come out of left field somewhat, caught suddenly referring to it as Nest, but it's more of a, like a, a Chronicles type addition rather than a retcon. Mm. You know, just because it was always previously referred to as Underground Lab doesn't necessarily mean it could never have been called Nest. No. But one of the things that did seem to be random in reimagining two, I won't call it remake two anymore, <laughs> was the massive sinkhole in the middle of the city. Because yes. the, la- the lab seems to be much more centralised rather than being on the outskirts, which I suppose explains the lack of marshalling yard. And I don't know what it, what it came across to you guys, but that massive sinkhole that's randomly appeared, that seems to be what sort of sparked Ben's investigation into Umbrella, which, you know, led to his suspicions that Umbrella's lab was down there. Hey, I don't believe it. A real human. <laughs> Hello, human. You've been here long? Long enough. Are we the last ones alive? No, no, there's a few of us. Huh. That's good news, I guess. Yeah. That's of course Irons sent you. Irons? You mean Chief Irons? Is he still around? Who cares? Hopefully he's somebody's dinner by now. What do you mean by that? He's the bastard that locked me in here. I'm sure he had a good reason. He did. I was about to blow the whistle on his dirty ass. I'd have done the same thing to him, I guess. I'll make you a deal. Unlock this cell and I'll give you this. There's no other way out of that parking garage. Believe me. Sorry. I can't do that. I have to talk to the chief first. Look, we're both prisoners in the station. So either we play nice and help each other out. Shit. It's coming. What? What's coming? Come on. Come on, don't be an asshole. Okay, you need this. Just get me the fuck out of here. Oh my god. But this is what I said previously about Ben is that as a character he's completely different. You know, like he he's clearly not as smart and not as resourceful, you know. Even when he gets tasked with specifically by Ada to get information, he fails miserably. <laughs> you know, he's not the same character he was in the original. His motivations are entirely different, his characterization's completely different and his quality of research and ability. Whereas previously it felt like he had his finger kind of partly on the pulse. He knew there was something not right in the city that was related to Umbrella and what that how he 
he'd found out, we don't know, but he, he obviously was a little bit more smarter about it. Mm-hmm. This one, he, it seems like, yeah, the sinkhole, he's just kind of realized, oh, that's really weird, there's a sinkhole. I should probably look into why that, what's going on with that. Oh, maybe it's connected to Umbrella somehow. Hmm, interesting. Just a, a slight diversion. If you are an employee of Umbrella and you're working in said lab, I know there's overnight facilities, but they're very open to visitors. <laughs> We talked about this, don't we? What's the official way in? I mean, yes, you can go through particular routes, but how are you expected to get... This This is what I was saying last time. The logistics don't make sense. I could understand if there was a different entry point into the lab or the cable car had come from a different location, but it seems pretty obvious there's just a singular cable car that yeah. goes on a two-way direction, and that the entrance you come in is the main entrance because obviously it's got the signage and the desks and you know reception desk and all that sort of stuff. So in order to get there, you have to come through the sewers. Which is fine, but how do you get to that point in the sewers normally? So I don't know. That's just weird. It's <laughs> why you even come through the sewers, like, I don't know well, idea. Yeah, I mean, suspe- as I suspending that bit of disbelief of needing to go through the sewers, you go, fine, it's Resident Evil, it's ridiculous. You know, I need to drain a fountain to get to the secret lab in Arclay Mountain, fine, whatever. But how does the usual visitor get to that They, they cave- can't without going through the sewers. That's literally it. Like, that's the one thing that made the marshalling yard more believable. Is that, yeah. You could believe it. It was an actual just stockpile yard. Yard and people would just kind of slip into a little security gate and it would look like they were just going into a construction, you know, train yard area. You would just look like regular work and then you would kind of go down this hidden access way in various ways. I'm sure there was other ways down aside from the big platform lift. Well, we know there is because Enrico found it. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I mean. Like Capcom logistically didn't think about what they're doing when they were changing this. They just went, this looks cool and it's awesome. And I guess it's about time to bring up the round table because there's some very good nuggets of information in that. Yes. But they talk about how at one stage they were going to have it up on a mountain and there was going to be a mountain cable car and then there was going to be a road segment. But then they were like, what's well, a bit silly because first there was a road segment. It's like, if you can drive up the mountain, why wouldn't you just drive out of the city at this point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it's not that they obviously didn't think about it, but they didn't think about it as they didn't think about still about the end result as much as they did about any of those either because they've thought about this. Oh, we can't just have you drive on the hill. Well, yes, but you can't have a single cable car running to the sewer to this lab because you haven't thought about the logistics about how people get to this lab nor on a day-to-day basis anyway. They just constantly live in the lab or otherwise there's like, what, six people in the entire lab, I'm guessing, because there's only three bunk beds. Yes. Well, I'm just thinking about sewer workers. How, you know, if they were just working in the sewer, we never see a formal entrance. I can't imagine they all just randomly walk into the RPD and go, hello, I just need to borrow your statues and I'll, I'll take a secret entrance down there. You know, perhaps we just didn't oh, see it. walk through that bit of the sewer that's there, um, just open that, pop open that manhole cover and pop down there. Um, just be aware there's a slightly big alligator in there somewhere. <laughs> Yes, I suppose. I just, I just remember because the alligator you know, would have been in there before it was mutated anyway. But again, it's much better explained in the original, isn't it? How Umbrella has mm. control of the sewers. There's two or three files explaining how Umbrella run the sewers, and all that is deleted in the reimagining and replaced by a couple of lines of dialogue from Ada saying, "Welcome to corporate America." America, when, yeah, that they have run. Yeah, that when Leon questions it. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame because in the remake, again, if you in the original, you're picking up the files. Go, why on earth would Umbrella want to control the Asuras, you know, again, it's, it's that little mystery, that element of mystery and, building and up to it. Is, and you also get the hint in the files between Birkin and Chief Irons yep. that Birkin is paying him to cover up that same thing in the sewers and any other shady activities because he specifically calls out, you know, the discussion of essentially guarding the lab, I guess, guarding yep. through the sewers. Yep. And that's all gone too. So, more or less, it, there's implications that he's doing stuff, but it's not as specific. 
Got eyes on the G-Virus. work I'm not handing over anything we have our orders dr. Birkin I'll ask you one more time So what about Hug's team? That was always an anticipated moment when uh, we're revisiting the Raccoon City incident due to its importance. How did everyone think the change of scenario there? What worked, especially looking at kind of ghost survivors as well? Well, first and foremost, I was disappointed. We don't actually see what happened. We just get snippets through those videotapes. But as I'm sure Sean will say, he probably couldn't have recreated the original as good anyway. You read my mind. It's almost like they looked at it and uh, just went, um, yeah, yeah, there's no way we can beat this. And, and short of like ripping off the opening of Outbreak, which is completely like stylishly, you know, and aesthetically different anyway. And, you know, the laughable moment of it in Dark Side Chronicles, um, I don't really know how they could have done it. That wasn't just a shot-for-shot shot remake. Which, I mean, would have been fine. I'd like to me that's fine, because isn't that the point of remaking something? Like, if you can't beat it, at least make something that's comparable. Like, it may not be as good, but as long as it's close. The change I like the most is that it's much more clear that the orders are to bring in a sample and bring in Birkin. Yeah. And then the guy shoots him by accident. Well, this is by accident, but you don't know. That feels a lot more plausible to me now than the original version. That's the only difference. It's just a slight change to that. That's it. I like the use of videotapes. I thought that was quite a good idea, suggesting they're being monitored and surveyed about what's going on. Um, mm. and, and of course, it's a, a very 90s bit of equipment, the old VHS tape as well, and, and linked in quite nicely with RE7. And the original remake as well, yeah. yeah. Kenneth's tape. Yeah. Of course, of course, yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was worthwhile. It would have been nice to have been able to stitch it all together and watch the entire event, because it's almost like when Annette's speaking is an initially original. That could have been an interesting way to do it, is that over the course of the game you found various tapes and then yeah. once you'd found all the tapes you went to play it and it said play all and you played all of them and it kind of gave you a scenario story of like this character's tape to this character's tape and it told you the whole story that way that would have been quite that would have been a good way to get around it i think yeah. i honestly thought that's what they were building toward mm. but uh, no it doesn't really amount to anything does it just a couple of snippets yeah so the the hunks mission is all you know we can also talk about Operation Raccoon City here as well. And why is Operation Raccoon City canonically different then? It is a question more so to Batman, uh, going back to what he mentioned earlier. Why are we not picking bits like the Nemesis Beta Parasite? New information? Is it directly contradicting stuff from the games? You know, why, why are we ignoring that, but potentially keeping the orphanage in and any other new bits? I take your point, but Operation Raccoon City is a different 
title and the reimagining of Resident Evil 2 it's still called Resident Evil 2 it still comes under the Resident Evil 2 umbrella you know pardon the pun Operation Raccoon City was a spin-off and yes there is elements in there like I personally like the Nemesis Beta Parasite yes, it looks a bit too plaggery for me but the way you know the concept of it is very good um, and the inserted evil stuff you know very good stuff I'd quite happily put it in there if it was canon but another thing this reimagining does in its retelling of Hunk's story and the little files you get it does make it abundantly clear that there is no Wolfpack and there is no Delta team if Wolfpack were in Resident Evil 2 reimagining then then yeah you'd probably have to give it some consideration because it's new content but because it's a completely spin-off title made by slant six that capcom said basically from the outset was a what if it's not canonical then did they well did they (laughs) (laughs) i think you're gonna get a bit of backlash from me about this bats well in what in what respect i'm not advocating (laughs) that operation raccoon city is canon what i'm trying to say is in the original because you can't play the literal canon it has to be a mix of all four scenarios i think what i'm trying to say is if you want to experience the true canon of resident evil 2 it's a mix of Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 2 reimagining but it's not a 50-50 mix you know most of it is the original game because it tells the story more clearly and just better all I'm interested in from the reimagining is completely original content I'm not interested in files if they're just basically a different spin on files we've got in the original game I'm just talking about new information just like we got new information in the side stories from the Chronicles games that's the way I look at it. Two words then, Robert Kendo. What about him? New scenario, Ghost Survivors. Well, I'm not interested in Ghost Survivors, sorry, because they said they marketed it as non-canon. You know. Well, they marketed it as what-ifs, but the thing is, yeah. and I said this previously, is that some of those don't contradict anything. Like, we have to establish here, for example, using Ben as an example, this whole relationship with the Mia's daughter only has been appeared in Ghost Survivors, but it doesn't contradict anything in the main game, and it's an extra piece of information, so should we take that? Probably, yes. Um, yeah. Kendo's one, for example, doesn't contradict the game either. It's set specifically after the scene between him and Leon and Ada. It doesn't contradict anything. It just makes him a survivor of the city. Should we make this a potential what-if option? Like, we can put it in there. Yeah, but, it, yeah, but it, it's, it's a dangerous it's, path to go down, this is. It's not original content, though, is it? Because Kendo died in the original Resident Evil 2. The orphanage is completely new stuff. Kendo died, and his story is told in the original Resident Evil 2. His canon but you, is there. But we're not talking about Kendo. What about, as I said, the Mayor's daughter, for example? Like well, the Mayor's daughter is, yeah, we can take a name, perhaps. You can take a relationship with Ben, but we can't take her escaping from the orphanage because but, she, but, she stabbed Irons in the neck. She's already dead in Resident Evil 2. Her story yeah, is... I, but this is what Nick's getting there, though, that you're, you're kind of missing the forest for the trees. We're starting to pick and choose information based over scenario, even when the scenario is clearly non-canon. And this is where it becomes a slippery slope, and this is what he's bringing up, Operation Reckon yep. City. I get what he's trying to say. It's, it's a very slippery slope, and, yes. the, and this is the problem. This is the real problem. I was on a, a stream watching with a very famous person in the community. I won't mention them by name, but in that chat, the, the person was playing Resident Evil 2 Remake, and they got onto the subject of Operation Raccoon City and there were many many people in that chat saying it's canon so already like the problems are beginning and it's going to be it's going to be difficult to sort of weed it through and and try and argue the case that these things aren't canon with regards to the reimagining of two I won't even take things like you know Catherine's relationship with Ben into account I just see that as part of the reimagining and not part of the original storyline I have to have that sort of hard line on it I would have that hard line on it, but for the fact that they've always taken the opposite route 
throughout the series. You know, the Chronicles games are a fine example of that. We, well, pick, see, and choose, we, might... we pick and choose from those games because we want this the extra is, this, is, this is where my problem is. For example, say, and I'll use this as, as the example, that we'll use Kendo. So the original game, Kendo's gun shop, you go through it, he gets killed, right? You've established that this, because this is in the original, it's canon. Capcom might say, well, yeah, actually, Kendo doesn't die. We wanted to keep him alive. So this was our chance of actually changing that scenario and because we put it in as a what if it's actually now a potential option so that in the future they could actually say well actually kendo survived the raccoon city incident because technically that while that's a what if scenario that doesn't contradict anything other than his death and then they could just say now he didn't die and now that's the new thing and that doesn't circumvent anything else about the original resident evil 2 it only changes one the one little factor is that kendo didn't die he escaped and then you start pulling a thread and pulling pulling away and pulling away and pulling away and now you've changed this is the problem you're picking and choosing elements and this isn't even just you this is capcom because they could just change their mind because they've done this with other we've done this with chronicles we've done this with alpha and raccoon city those scenarios could be considered what ifs but then the problem is we were looking at like the whole you go back to what you were talking about with the reimagining and the dates and stuff all of a sudden, Capcom can just say, well, they actually know the dates with this and the outbreak happened on the 25th and everything that happened beforehand is just condensed and, and that's just how it is now because every other game afterwards now refers to those dates. And then what are we supposed to do? Like, it's a very problematic thing, this whole, the whole thing. I honestly think that when you get to the Resident Evil 3 remake and once the final piece of DLC has been released for the Resident Evil 3 remake... I think it'll be case closed on these two games as a project, as a, you know, and I don't think anything will be referenced back to these two games. I think there's a reason why there's the Kendo's storyline and that are called Ghost Survivors. I think the, the clue is in its name. Yeah, I don't, I don't see an issue with Ghost Survivors. They just don't count the what-if scenarios. It's, they're not what actually happened. That's the whole point of them. That's why they're called what-if scenarios. The thing I would only take from Kendo is, yeah, you could potentially say he had a daughter. So what? But I'm going to ask then, does that be the question then when we look at something like the changes to the fourth survivor scenario? So Hunk now long, no longer gets the G-Virus sample out. That's not his goal. So which one is, whereas previously fourth survivor scenario was canon, so which version is it? And well, it then to- if that's the case, because the new ghost scenario is the ghost character is well, the one that gets the G-Virus sample out now instead. So Yeah, but the answer is simple, because Ghost Survivors is a what-if, and in the larger canon, tying into later titles in the series, it's Hunk who gets the sample out. It's simple. No, but what you're missing is what I'm trying to say is, what if Capcom turns around and says, now Hunk didn't get the G-Virus out in future titles? Well, if they do that, then that's that's when the problem will come in. But I don't think they will do that, because it's well established in many different titles and supplemental materials that Hunk is the person who got the G-Virus out for Umbrella. And the Reimagining 2 doesn't specifically say he doesn't. It just omits the fact that, you know, his mission is to get the G-Virus out. It's treated more as a... Well, I know it's a, it was a mini-game in the original, but I think... Capcom expects you to know what he's doing. I I admit it is sloppy. It doesn't state that he gets the G virus out, mm. but pretty much 99. And, and for no reason not to as well. Like that's the other yeah. bit that I, probably frustrates me the most is that there's no reason why he couldn't get it. But it's like I said on the last episode. Ironically, Ghost Survivors tells it better. Yes, <laughs> so it is a slippery slope. I, I get what you guys are saying, but I just I like to get as much information. It's like going back to Umbrella Chronicles for a second. We all agree the main scenarios, the mansion retelling, the uh, City of the Dead, whatever it's called. <laughs> 
they're completely non-canonical, but there is certain bits in there, like the scene where Wesker injects himself with the virus in the lab. That happens canonically, but it doesn't happen in Remake or the original game. So this is the thing. We knew this happened from other sources, so it was just us seeing it, essentially. Like, we knew he obviously did it, because how else did he have powers in Code yeah. Veronica? We yeah. just knew this. Going back to the Hunk thing, um, I don't even think the remake, or reimagining 2, that version of The Force Survivor, I will still always go back to Umbrella Chronicles for Survivor as the canon telling of that. My concern, I think I raised this when it was first announced for it, it was like, and it, you know, it became apparent that we're, get, we're getting a lot of changes. Future titles, Resi 8, let's say that has Leon and we have maybe like a flashback, or we have Wesker's Report 3 or something like that. They're not going to use clips from the original Resident Evil 2. They'll use clips and things from, from the remake. So Of course they will, but that's just presentation. you know. Well, I hope so, but what it depends what they present doesn't they? Like, for example, they're going to talk about Ada's death or Ada's story, which is still largely unresolved. What if they show the clip of, they go, oh yes, I fell to my death in the nest. It could be like... But right. that's, nothing, that's nothing new because Wesker's report had that problem way yeah. back when, you know, 19 years ago. The unwritten rule of Wesker's report was ignore the video, yeah. stick to the text. <laughs> yes, and the re- audio. Yeah. And the updated Wesker's report they did for Biohazard Remaster HD was full of footage from Operation Raccoon City. But nobody was saying, well, hang on, that means Orcs canon now because it's in okay. Wesker's report. Well, that's one issue then to not be worried about, but we'll see. This is the concern, isn't it? It depends whether Capcom some, use it as a base. Some people go hilariously way too hard into this as well. I'll never forget there was a moment when we were prepping the Degeneration podcast, and I remember I was on a, on a discussion thread somewhere. I can't remember which side it was on, but someone said the flashbacks to Resident Evil 2 are non-canon because Claire uses a shotgun in the footage, and it's yeah. like, Jesus Christ, come on. You know, just have a slightly looser grasp on it. That's not to say you can be lazy with your approach to sort of the timeline and the canon. You've got to have a certain sense of control and understanding. But, you know, to say, like, some footage is non-canon because of the weapon the character's wielding is just ridiculous. It's, honestly, some people just take it way too far and not far enough in other areas that are more yeah. important. Well, it's also like in uh, Biohazard the Stage, you kind of get a flashback, don't you, of the original mansion incident, which is really cool because it's one of the only times you see uh, a lot of them together and... You know, how canon is that? Well, it is, guys. It's just what happened. I go back to that interview with the writer. I recommend you watch it. It was Avid Expert who did it. I'll give him a small plug, much as it pains me. He basically asked, he said, right, what's the canon of Resident Evil 2? And Capcom turned back to him and said, the canon is that William Birkin and Annette Birkin die in the lab, Ada does not, and Leon, Claire and Sherry escape. But how all those events play out, you're free to remix and reimagine for this new game. Yeah, this is the Han Solo who shot Greedo first argument all over again, isn't it? Who shot Greedo first? Well, well, no, no I don't think it is Nick. No, it is because the, almost the official line now from Capcom is Han enters cantina, Greedo enters cantina. Oh, yeah. Sh- shots fired. You know, Greedo dies. That only one shot fired though, Nick. Come on, let's not. Well, get well, yeah, well, whatever. You know, that remit that the writer was given is pretty much like how you can approach the whole thing anyway. I mean, it is it is a cliff notes version of the original Resident Evil, and I think. I I mentioned it on the chat that we have when we're arranging these and I I described it as Remake 2 is like a really good movie adaptation of a very detailed book in that you will get like a summarised Cliff Notes version of that novel but if you want to know the story if you want to know all the details then you read the novel in this case, the novel is the original game. If you want that storyline playthrough, I think we're all going to go, you know, Zero, Remake, Original 2, 3. I don't think many of us would factor in the remake too, in terms of like a chronological canon playthrough. 
But if you did, you're not doing yourself a disservice either because you're still getting the broad strokes of the story that Resident Evil 2 tries to tell. Mm. Yeah, it baffles me when I see people saying, well, this game's clearly replaced the original because in a narrative sense, it hasn't. They're only saying that because it looks pretty and it plays pretty and it's a fun game. And, you know, the writer has done a good job. He's remixed things, he's done his remake, the script is fine, but it doesn't replace the original story. I think there's also a need, isn't there, as fans, when a new title comes out, regardless of what platform it's on, there is a a want to try and include it. Otherwise, it seems a bit of a waste. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's been created there's no point creating a, an irrelevant non-canon game, is there? And another reason why I think you can put them both together to an extent is so much stuff has been cut from this game to make it self-contained, but at the same time, it still relies on your knowledge of the original to understand the story. And I'll go back to Chris's letter in the Stars office. If you've not played the original game, that's complete gibberish, his letter. Yeah, it's written in code for Jill and Barry and them lot, but you only get the context of it if you have the knowledge of the original. Which is ironic because they have no other reference to the original, the original characters, the mansion incident or anything like that. Yeah. So for someone who's never played it, they'll just take that text on face value and then be very confused as to why Claire says that doesn't sound like Chris. And the only other thing you know about that, if you didn't know who Chris Redfield is, I assume they they go on the assumption they know everyone knows Chris Redfield is, is the fact that she just said, my brother's a cop and I'm looking for him. Mm. Because you don't have that scene like you did in the original where they, you know Leon's in the stars room and Claire turns up and they have their conversation. None of that exists. Heard of the Umbrella Corporation? They're a pharmaceutical company secretly making bioweapons. They have a virus. It turns people into indestructible monsters. That explains the horrible things I've seen. Can I ask a really stupid question? Is the T-Virus ever mentioned in this game? Just in a couple of files towards the end. I was just thinking, because the game, you know, with Marvin's lack of information, the game kind of starts off almost like a kind of Night of the Living Dead style zombie outbreak. Who knows how it occurred? Just just go with it. And then, But obviously in this game, you kind of work out a bit more and you see the, the mice. But I was just trying to think whether the actual T-Virus is ever explicitly said, this is what causes a zombie. Although Ada goes, this is what Umbrella can do with their products. But... It's almost of a hint that it's the G-Virus, and if, if it does mention it's the T, that's fine. That's the sort of massive irony to this game, isn't it? In that in trying to sort of stay self-contained, the only people who are really going to like know the full sort of implications and the consequences of the story are going to be like the true fans who are going to know everything anyway. So you may as well have just filled it with as many references as possible, because they've made it so vague that anyone coming in as like an introductionary point is not going to have those sort of links. I mean. Because the thing is, like Resident Evil um, 2, the original, like Marvin's opening narration and to some extent initial narration to the game where they they sort of summarise the events of the first game worked as a really good introductionary point for a new player. Whereas this kind of just sort of throws you in, gives you nothing and then it it sort of almost finishes the same way as well. Mm. It's so self-contained to the point where it kind of harms it if you're a new player. It just presents it as a very sort of basic sort of zombie story. But yeah, that's true. That's what my point. It was. I just don't think it's ever explicitly said that the zombies are caused by the T virus. No. <laughs> and again, is it without that kind of prior knowledge? You're almost hinting that Birkin's virus. You see, yeah, you see, you see, that's interesting. So, like when um, when you watch the videotape in Reimagining Two, is we were starting to affectionately call it, and you get Leon's summary where he says, "Oh, you know, the rats spread the virus." Would a newcomer think it's actually G that's getting mm-hmm. spread around the city? Yeah, mm. I've seen I've seen many threads where people say. Of the T virus, uh, zombies from the G virus, mm. and you see that's harming the story, and that's where the danger of it being 
so self-contained is actually doing more damage than it should have done. Mm. But I, I think it's just been done to attract new players to the game, saying, right, you don't need any prior knowledge of Resident Evil to enjoy what happens here. But we've established that's not the case, because we just talked about with, like, for example, Chris's file or misunderstandings. Like, it actually would have been better. It's easier to make a game where you don't have to have played any other previous games if this game kind of occasionally spoon-fed you a bit of information on the backstory. Like had more mentions of the mention incident, had mentions of the T-Virus, had some files or com- email conversations that were between, yeah, but for say... Pe- for people who've never played the original and have never played Code Veronica, that doesn't matter. It does for this game, because, like, as we established, Chris's file makes no freaking sense. And yeah, but- Claire, Claire's connection is to look for her brother Chris, who's a Stars member. You might as well spend the time explaining that. Like, it's silly. Like, it's If you want to include more people, give them more information, not exclude information. People might be put off playing this game if it's been said right you need to know this is what happens no no you're you're missing the point point is the opposite which is that yes if you have to find that information why not give it to them in the game so they don't have to play the other games they get the information in the game like you come in there's a female file it's a conversation between chris and jill that says you know i can't believe chief irons is ignoring our complaints about what happened in the mansion incident and squashing information you know that sort of stuff is going on that would give you backstory you don't have to have played the games at all then you don't that's just more information about what's been going on in the background of the outbreak that you're in. That's more information. That's perfectly fine. No, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think it's fine how it is. There's even reference to the mansion incident in uh, Anderson's Apocalypse film. Mm-hmm. There is. <laughs> you, had to, you had to go there, Nick. I Hold had on. to go there. That's a good I'd love to actually see, because there's a lot of people I've seen, everyone knows, I've, I do tend to social media quite a bit, and uh, so Is I get into, quite, quite, yeah, just <laughs> get into quite a few discussions and whatnot, and um, you know, the amount of people who've sort of said to me they were looking forward to the remake too, because it's one of the only, Resident Evil 2 was one of the only games in the series they haven't had a chance to play due to its sort of difficult availability, you know, some people maybe started with 4 or 5 or 6, or even like the origins hd collection and things like that i'd love to know whether there is a like a a thing where people will play like remake 2 first and think you know what i really 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 love that i'm actually going to make it my effort to seek out the original i'd love to know if they would actually go back and think god the storyline to this is so much better i love the way this narrative interweaves and all the files are so much more detailed i i I can't wait to see if there's going to be a bit of that in the coming months where people actually do explore the original as a result of playing the remake and go fucking hell the storyline in the original is loads better well, I'm sure Nintendo Switch owners will be delighted to go back, and Capcom will be laughing all the way to the bank, but there we go. <laughs> As they can play a PSX port of Resident Evil 2 for 30 of your English pounds. <laughs> Interestingly, in the recent developers' interviews and whatnot, at one point this was going to be a proper remake. They were going to replace... Every, it was almost not shot for shot, but all the storyline and all the uh, interactions between the characters were going to be pretty much the same as it was in, and, the, in the original. And they should have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just like, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, they, I, I wonder why. Yeah, I want, to know, I want to know why. Because to me, like, this is the thing. I feel like there's always great ideas out there. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely lots of stuff that the game does. It's absolutely amazing. And we've established that as a gameplay experience. It's freaking yeah, we incredible. Do but the thing is, if you wanted to make all these elements, why didn't you make them into a new game? Like, there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. And you just remake two as a remake of two in this engine. Like, there was nothing, there was no, that boggles my mind. It's just like, and it's the same reason why I kind of am still shocked at the fact, you know, as I said, like, development on the original game, less than a year, probably 19 months realistically tops. This game, three and a half years. Mm. 
you could have made two and a half original Resident Evil 2s, maybe even three in the length of time it took them to make one remake. And as I said, I established that there's technology changes and, and budgets have gone up and it sometimes requires way more people to make these games. I, I get that and more time. But it's just it's just the pure factors of it. So they couldn't even remake the original game as it stood in that time and said so they decided to make a new game. Three and a half years for a new, completely new game, I completely get. And if they use this as a basis for making a remake three and using the engine and this gameplay style for other games, I'll be very happy. Don't get me wrong as well. But just, yeah. I think I it was it. roughly six months, I think it was, they were making it a remake and then they changed their minds. I'm just wondering if Capcom themselves just didn't have any interest in remaking Resident Evil 2 because they resisted it for so long. I mean, people have been wanting it for 15 years and they did things like Darkseid Chronicles and Operation Raccoon City, which you would have thought would have made a game like this less likely. But because mm. that, that interest has never gone away and it is easy money for Capcom that they just gave in in the end, but they did want to do something different. I think that's probably the nail on the head, really, because you look at the, I think probably what bolstered as well was the HD re-releases and how they went. I think they exceeded Capcom's very low expectations and that they were quite happy with the fan feedback. And the other thing I started to think about was the problem comes from the same problem that's been persisting the franchise for a long time, which is that balance is always the problem. Like, I feel like they've got the gameplay balance really good now, but now they're starting to worry, you know, they're trying to appeal to, as you said, the mass markets and try and get new fans in, and and there's nothing wrong with that either. But I just, yeah, I just don't know if this is exactly the right right approach, canon-wise anyway. When you're remaking a game, shouldn't... I mean, we've, we talked about it as a reimagining, but realistically, when you're talking about the idea even of remake you should probably make sure it's pretty pretty close to the idea of it being a remake otherwise it is just a reimagining if that's the case why not just market it from day one as a reimagining mm. why even bother calling it a remake they might as well just been pretty bluntly honest saying we're using the original Resident Evil 2 as a stepping stone but we're reimagining it you know as much as we can I think John you described it as almost like a luxury product I think what I mean by that is it's not part of the main it's it's purely just been done as like a love letter to fans because fans want it and that desire for it has never gone away and I think Capcom have done it said right thanks for your loyalty for the last 22 years you want Resident Evil 2 here is Resident Evil 2 modernised but we're not interested in doing shot for shot so we're going to twist it around a bit because we still want to appeal to new players I feel that's the same idea with the idea of remaking 3 and heaven forbid considering the pressures on from the internet to code Veronica as well then I never thought 3 was it certainly wasn't as loved as 2 you know it came I towards think, the end of the PlayStation life cycle. It's got a it's, following, for sure. It's a nostalgia thing. It's the whole reason why. Yes, 3 was never as well as loved as 2. Otherwise, the outcry would be for 3 to have been remade over 2. But I think it's because people still... There's a, there's a passionate community. It's the time frame. It's a PlayStation. And it's the only one of the era that still hasn't got a modern yeah. telling. Yeah. So if you... If you may re- remake 3, then you can essentially play all of the original games in a new form, plus the HD-fied version of Zero. And then, of course, if they remade Code Veronica again, you yeah. know, like rather than porting it to the MT framework engine, like then everything's like post-Resident Evil 4 now. <laughs> Up as yeah. far as the mainline titles go, that's crazy to think about that, you know. Indeed, indeed, it, it is good for fans. You know, it, the fact that it's done so well in such a short period of time, Capcom are going to be absolutely delighted, and they're not going to think twice about doing future remakes, reimaginings. If that, as you said, if that if that fan demand is there, it it's been an unbridled success <laughs> from a financial perspective. I think the fans' concern, of course, is whether it 
you know, there's an argument, isn't there? Why even bother putting any files in to an extent? You know, all the information in the files could have just been there to answer some, you know, clues to codes, you know, how to solve puzzles and things like that. You know, did they even need to put in Wayne Lee and God knows what? They could have just just left it blank. You know, if, if they really wanted to. It's odd that they went almost to that level of effort in making pointless files. I think that all adds to the fact that they wanted to show people that this is... You know, the fact that some of the changes are so outlandish to make it um, reimagining only helped to confirm its lack of canon status, is what I'm trying to say. Yes, yeah, I suppose it went the other direction almost, didn't it? You know? Yeah, it's, like, it's similar to what we said about how certain aspects of the intro are inverted, almost as though it's a message to the audience to say, you've got your original, that's never going to change, so we're going to do things a little bit differently here. And mm. I think that extends within the files as well, being you know very, very different in certain places and, and introducing like new names, which I genuinely don't think are going to turn up again, you know. Hello? Good to see you again, Claire. We've got unfinished business. Where is that? In the neighborhood. You'll find it. Sherry, all right? For now. I swear, you bastard, if you hurt her. Stupid kid. If you just hadn't dropped that fucking thing, I could let you go. Don't worry, Sherry. It'll be all over soon. Let's put our tin hats on and jumping ahead. It's almost confirmed Remake 3 is happening. Will Remake 3 directly line up with Remake 2? Are they going to bother? Yes. So there will be almost like an alternate timeline within that period. Yeah, but not to the extent of my wonderful chart that I did, <laughs> um, where I would uh, initially theorised that things like Survivor and Outbreak are going to be scrapped. They're just not part of the equation now, so that's absolutely fine. But do you think we're going to see, say, obviously the, the new version of Nikolai is going to turn up, we're going to get an email or whatnot from Director Owens to Nikolai, for example. Do you think they're going to bother? Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think two and three will be a completely self-contained little double pack, if you will. Okay. But Remake 3 yeah. will be more controversial, I think, because it'll have more completely original content. Yes, I think you're right. I think it leans itself like you can reimagine the city in any kind of like they have for the opening of two, essentially, just for that very brief period. I mean, it's also worth noting on the um, on that roundtable, they talk about the idea that the original, they did try the opening of the game being longer on the streets and then decided not to do it, which I thought was interesting as well. I don't know why. They don't exactly say why they made that decision, but they just say they did it. Um, certainly worth it, watching, that thing. Yeah, they are worth watching. Lots of sure. disagreements as well, and people were going, oh, yeah. didn't like that bit, that kind of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and this, there was obviously another part coming, which would be very interesting. Um... It, it means it obviously because even on a canon level, if we looked at it just that start of the reimagining, the way that you approach the RPD is exactly the same direction you approach the RPD as Jill in Resident Evil Three. So essentially, now they're probably going to you are probably still going to approach the RPD from that direction through those streets. So that part alone is going to change if you come from that direction. If you don't come from somewhere else, and the streets are going to be changed, and they can mix and match. But realistically, it doesn't change the plot of Three as long as you have what's the important parts: the RPD, the clock tower, the hospital 
hospital and the dead factory at the end. That's literally the only bits you have to have. Everything else in between it can be different streets, different offices, different shops, mm. restaurants. doesn't make any difference. <laughs> I just said in the last podcast that I think three will start in the police station. Mm. Because it, it would just simply help clear up this rather silly bit of Jill being propelled through an apartment wall or window, <laughs> um, which is good at throwing you in at the deep end. But then you've got the entirely pointless, and it is completely pointless, Dario subplot, which never goes anywhere. So you can probably look forward to that being completely cut. You or know, changed. Or changed. as vague as it is with like Ben in the reimagining too. Do you think it's... Um... Tell him that you don't see Brad in Reimagining 2, as in mm. Brad being dead. Yeah, yeah. could be. Yeah, never thought about it like that. They're not going to be able to artificially expand Resident Evil 3 remake by having four different scenarios, are they? Because there's only one playable character. So I'm wondering if they could introduce someone else. I wonder if it's going to be fundamentally different. I mean, you know, the original Resident Evil 3, of course, spans over three days with a long pause at the church. I wonder if they're just going to scrap that altogether and just almost pick it up from where Resident Evil 2 left off, leading to the, the nuke. There's no need for them to have it before. Well, the, uh, only, before the only argument against that is the damage in the RPD that people were saying is probably Nemesis through the shower block. Mm. If that's correct. I mean, that's just an <laughs> assumption. I wasn't even sure about that myself. You break down the RE3 storyline. You do need only a couple of very, very key things to happen. You need Jill infected for future consequences with, like, the stabilisation of horrible laws. Yep. And you need the city destroyed. And that's essentially it, you know. But they have to be rescued, will you assume, Barry? But, like, that would be the better outcome. Could even that be vague? It could be vague, but it would... Well, yeah, I guess it depends on who the... It's not mentioned anywhere else in the series, is it? I don't think. Barry's rescue of Jill. No revelations... No, maybe not. I was going to say Revelations yeah. 2 would be the only other place I can think of, and I don't know if it does or not. I mean, that's it, and what do we need? Does even the bad guy have to be Nikolai? No, it probably not won't be, but would that make any difference if it was or wasn't? Yeah, I mean, go back to, like, John earlier described the remit that the writer, that this Brent chap was given about, like, what canon things he needed to include in Resident Evil 2. Imagine, if you will, he's the writer for 3 make. What is the remit that Capcom would give him in terms of it, like, being a bullet point thing like that? It takes place in Raccoon City. It stars Jill Valentine. She's being hunted by the nemesis, and she escapes in a helicopter before the city is blown up by a nuke. Mm. Yeah. I think that's it. And, and she gets and she gets infected by the nemesis at some point. Yeah. I think everything else is up for grabs <laughs> in terms of what they want I to would, do with it. I would suspect they would still obviously say to him, you have to have Carlos and, and as well, and probably would just say Nikolai is the bad guy. He's part of a, and both of them are part of a umbrella squad. That's probably the only other bit. We are digressing, but I think it's really, mm. I, I think it's really interesting to see, as I said, if this remake bug, I think as you eloquently put it once, uh, Star's Time, and one of your videos whether that will be enough to satisfy the itch of fans i would say just as a point we all did generally really like resident evil 2 <laughs> as a game we thought it was absolutely excellent this podcast has always been about critically analyzing the canon so if it does come across as a bit negative and it's not Nipicky. our intention yeah yeah the whole purpose of this was to get the kind of nerdish podcast done if you want to listen to what we actually thought of the game as a whole check out episode 50 we loved it i just want to say on that sense i know i think we're all in agreement like using that gameplay in for a new game oh. in the series I think we're all super keen for that and that's what it comes down to is that you could craft an absolutely amazing original Resident Evil experience around that and we'd all fall over ourselves so and in many ways, that's what makes me sad that this isn't like a Resident Evil Revelations 3 or Outbreak, uh, sorry, 8, 
because I see this in many ways. When did they announce this? 2015. Hmm. I see this as almost like four wasted years, in a sense, of wasting all these resources and development time on a remake that, in terms of like storyline and canon, we're almost just going to sort of put in its own little box and not dismiss it, but just put it to one side. So happy that it's there, but sort of can just leave it on a shelf and just admire it from afar. Whereas we could have had like a brand new title with amazing, you know, we could have had Revelations 3 that finally solves bloody Ada's storyline or something like that, you know. But would it have been as successful? This is the point. The amount of money that they've made from it and Mm. the success that it's won, in many ways, this is almost, you have to take the hit so that they've now got the, the financial backing to carry on with those stories. But then I don't want them to then go, well, what's the point in doing a new title that's only going to earn us, you know, one million sales versus a remake that can do us four? Let's just remake the most popular game in the series next, which is Resident Evil 4. You know, this is the danger that I worry we're going to be in. Please remake Code Veronica. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I get this. I'm pretty sure we're going to see in the next 10 years a remake of 3 and a remake of Code Veronica, as well as a properly numbered sequel. That's my prediction. Is Code Veronica like that much? Is there nostalgia for it? Yes. I don't even like it. Fuck you guys, honestly. I don't even... I don't even like it, but I can totally see the nostalgia and understanding for it. But at the same time, if that's exactly what is being said about the remaking popular games then that big code veronica would be on that list i only say because it's so alone no i'm with you sean i only say it just because it was an exclusive to dreamcast first and it kind of then got almost like you know begrudgingly kicked over to the ps2 and whatnot you know it wasn't part of the uh the casual crowd should we say dismissed by many as a spin-off yeah it's way more important to the canon than like even arguably three is personally i'm, I'm gonna bet john's for a bit so the same thing personally i have nothing wrong with the canon part of it it's just the fact it's a slow plotting game that's not very fun mm, definitely <laughs> um okay so is there any other specific point anyone wanted to raise regarding this nick i know for a fact that people want the project umbrella verdict <laughs> i've been asked believe me they want the final word is, the fi- is it well, canon or not i was unaware that we were the prayers <laughs> of canon but it's because um, you keep upselling it nick you keep upselling i do i have thing. to yeah I, I can take full responsibility by, <laughs> by my <laughs> my unnecessarily tension-filled trailer the answer i would say to these people is it's not as black and white as that but take the original for the details you want well, I think the discussion today has shown that even amongst us four, we have quite differing views as to what's, what's going to be canon and what's not. I personally would lump it in the non-canon route. Agreed. Uh, From my personal approach, it's the original all the way. Which is an odd thing for me to say, because you know I like to try and bring obscure titles into the canon, if I can help it. More on that to come in the next and, couple of months. And no disrespect to you either, Nick. You're not a stranger to like revisionist canon with everything no. that's gone on in the Star Wars universe in the last sort of five years or so, where you've had to like look at a big section of expanded universe thrown in the bin to make way for Disney's new... Yeah, absolutely. Thrown in the bin is a bit excessive. It's but pushed to the side is more an apt. Like you used that <laughs> phrase before, I would definitely say that because they're still making. This is the weird thing I don't understand is they have splintered that. There's still existing and continuing expanded universe stuff. That's the thing I don't get. They're not that strict over everything that comes now is canon. No, and the other bit is that they occasionally pull bits back from the expanded universe that seem to fit the new line. They go, oh, yeah, cool, we can do that. And uh, and this is where I was kind of, I guess I probably should have used that as an example, of where I'm, that's what I'm more worried about when it comes to the future of the franchise here, what threads they start pulling from the remake. 
yes. for the reimagining back into the mainline canon just because it exists. And I probably should have used Star Wars as a perfect example of that because <laughs> that's exactly what's been going on. They take the best bits, don't they? I mean, like Director Owens, will he come back in Resident Evil 8? Will he no. be well, will he? You can't say he won't. That's no. the thing. We don't know. We don't then, know. Then the headaches will begin. Yes. And this actually yes. does go back to a point John made, uh, was it in episode 49, about I don't think we'll know the true consequences of any potential impact to canon until 3 is out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Having played the finished product, I honestly don't think there will be. No, I don't either. <laughs> I'm fairly confident that's probably more likely. I don't think I can 100% say that that's not going to happen because who knows, because they've done other weird stuff. But I'm like 80-20 on that. But I'm going to say no as well on the answer to the Bones question about the canonicity of... I think it's just easier to say no as well. <laughs> I'm going to say this is non-canon because the Nemesis window is missing. Yeah. <laughs> Until the remake 3 comes out and it explains how he got in. No, no, it doesn't explain how he got in. And then he just smashes through the bathroom. There's going to be a beautiful masterstroke that uh, will happen before three make comes out, which will be Outbreak is going to get his remastered double pack, oh. which will contain the original uh, layout of uh, the RPD, and people are just going to go, well, "What is what is canon anymore?" <laughs> if that does I, happen, it will be all over the place, and there's lots of calls for it. I've, I've seen it more and more on kind of general Facebook um, comments or when they announce things. Everyone's like, three make, three make." Everyone's like, "Yeah." But then people are like outbreak, and I was like, "Yes, outbreak!" Rem-, you know, there is a big demand for it. Oh yeah, definitely. I just thought of something, Sean, in regards to your comment about starting at the RPD. What's going to happen is the game's going to open with Jill having a shower because that's some fan service, and yeah. then the nemesis breaks through the wall, and she quickly grabs what clothes are closest to her, which is the outfit that she wears in the game, and that explains why she's wearing that stupid dress. <laughs> and then we play the game. Genius. I know. I heard it here first. Yeah. That's exactly how they're going to start the game. <laughs> we also have to mention that the Capcom Confidential guys also believe the original takes precedence in terms of narrative story. They do, they do. That you want to take anything official away, that that is the defining point. So. I feel like that puts a nail in the coffin on the idea, really, doesn't it? Um, and they... Just, just remind me for people who aren't clear at home, because I even I'm not one hundred percent on. Who, like, who who are the confidential guys? In terms of their role within Capcom? I assume PR more than anything else, to be specific. But they've obviously got ties directly to development, so... Because one of the chaps is in Resident Evil 7 as the uh, presenter on the Sewer Gators, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. This is the thing they keep talking about. I was very interested by this. I don't know if you guys saw it. They said this in the um, roundtable, and they've also said it in other things, that some of the crews and actors and like the international stuff, they picked them because they were also fans of the franchise, that they wanted to you know, ha- have a positive of output on the franchise that they loved and this seems like this is exactly that that they've got people they've found for things that have connected to the franchise it's a bit like um gosh what was his name who's the guy that was involved with american guy involved with kojima productions gosh his name's gone blank for me he did their podcast and stuff oh, for years. ryan payton ryan payton thank you i was trying to remember and so he kind of started with the straddling the line of like applying for a job and then kind of became like their mouthpiece for social media both in japanese and english yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, but no, yeah, the, the confidential, definitely one of them was one of the writers, I'm sure. Well, he's possibly the localization guy, I think he is, isn't he? Actually thinking about it. He said it. He, he'd been involved with the game since Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's one of the localizers, I think. Mm. Well, there we go. So I suppose the official Project Umbrella <laughs> podcast view on its canon is it's not canon until it is or not. <laughs> <laughs>
You heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> well summarised, Ian. Well summarised. Uh, but no, I, I think narratively, the original remains the canon storyline, and the reimagining remains a 2019 luxury product. Yeah. Think, think of the original as the canon, and it's a nice supplement to it. It's a nice, shinier version of the game you love. And if you want a modern spin of that story, then you do no wrong playing it. But if you want all the storyline intact as it should be, you play the original. You know, if you're not a massive carer about the canon, at the end of the day, Ada still lives, Leon still lives, Sherry still got infected. It happens in it, either Birkin version. died. Yeah, yeah, doesn't matter. And Bradley gets the G-Virus. Yeah. On that note, we were going to finish off with a couple more of our call-ins. So the, the first one is the second part of Vito's call-in. So let's roll the tape. Well... Since my calling wasn't played last episode because of time, I'm gonna make a little <laughs> patch or DLC <laughs> to talk about the story, the canon issue. First things first, I absolutely loved the cutscenes on this game. The portrayal of the characters were really good. I absolutely loved Ada. Sherry was adorable, <laughs> especially at the true ending of the game. <laughs> Leon was... I actually... This game actually improved my opinion of a Leon. For long-time listeners of the podcast, you will know that I, that I absolutely hate Resident Evil 4 Leon. But this Leon on this game was very good. But the one I absolutely adore now is Claire. Claire is a badass in this game. I remember the uh, there was a conversation that she has with Annette before fighting G3... In, in where Annette says something like, no one can stop him now. Claire just jumps in and says, I can. Absolutely love that. Now, the canon issue. It's obvious that the developers wanted to make this game more grounded. So that means that some of the files will have to be changed. Because in the original, some files absolutely made no sense. For example... It makes no sense to have Chris leave his diary saying exactly where he's going at the RPD. No way. No way. Not with Irons. Not with other Umbrella spies. That will simply not fly. Another example is that Chris actually asks the FBI to send their report on the investigation of Umbrella also to the RPD. That's fucking stupid. I'm sorry, I know that by removing these files, you lose some exposition, but it, it makes no sense. Now, Chris' coded letter on Remake 2 makes sense. And I can absolutely buy that that letter is there at the RPD. Now, about the layouts. Yes, it has canon issues there because a lot of games intersect with 2 and 3, but I really don't think there was an, uh, there was other an, an, another choice in the matter. If this remake had come 15 years ago, then they would have just make the remake two exactly like remake one, just minimal reciting of the environments, just up the graphics, make some little touches here and there, but keep the layout almost the same, but that wouldn't fly now. You have to make bigger games. So, yes, they have to change the layout to accommodate also the change in perspective. 
So I can't really fault them for that. And to be honest, for me personally, I consider both Resident Evil 2 and Remake 2 canon. Future games in this series will simply just pick and choose what information, what little tidbit they want to use from either game. Because now we have fans of the original and now we have fans of the remake too. So making both canon is an acceptable middle ground, in my opinion. And I guess that's that's it. That, that's all I have to say. <laughs> See you guys. So we got there in a completely different scenic route, but we more or less end up in the same place, I think. Yes. He's right about the Chris's file, for example, in his diary. Like, I don't think there's anything like that, for example, was definitely makes sense. That's a good change for a specific reason. That it does seem at least plausible that he would just leave files, leave notes with that much of information just kind of around. The only argument I would have about that is if you apply that sort of realistic rationale to the series, you would have no exposition. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. People wouldn't leave files all over the place with incriminating evidence. Yes, yeah. and reimagining two does that anyway. Because you've got letters from Umbrella advertising the Nest Laboratory all over the sewers and Ian's leaving notes around the RPD saying he's going around yes. killing people. Yeah, and his diary and Yeah. So I don't th- I think it's just exposition stuff. It's just a gameplay thing, just the same as finding ammunition under a plant pot in a mansion. <laughs> True. True. It was pushing the, the view that it's all still canon in his his opinion. So it'd be interesting to see if that view changes in future releases and, and whatnot. He, he I think he very much purports the idea that it's a bit like you, I suppose, Batman, but not quite as strict on new material. Vito's taking the view that it all happens. His viewpoint is kind of what I was getting at before about the slippery slope of it. The truth is that both John and, and Sean have said, you know, we won't know until we know. Um, and that's the simple truth. When we start seeing them deciding what they're going to pick from this as going forwards, then we'll know. But there's always that possibility, and I think that's what Vito is also getting at, so they're going to pick cherry-pick what they want to go forward. Well, thank you, Vito. Uh, always always a pleasure having your call-ins. Always great. And our final word is from podcast regular Mr. Spencer. <laughs> this is great. Wow, what a... What a great game. Oh, sorry, I was uh, just playing Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown. January was a good month for video games. Oh, wait, we're talking about the Ori 2 remake. Well, uh, I guess I could say some things about it. I think it was a decent game. It was enjoyable for sure, but I think people allowed themselves to be built up by hype and excitement, and in turn became blinded to any of the flaws and shortcomings in the game. Granted, I think that can be said for most games, but Ori 2 isn't a new IP, it's a game that holds a lot of nostalgia. Strange enough for people who were tripping up over their own umbilical cords when Ori 2 originally came out in 1998. The same people who are now shitposting about other fans playing on lower difficulties, but hey, that's what happens when you have things like Twitch and esports promoting that kind of behaviour. But I digress. I feel like this was a game that played upon the nostalgia of the original, but not the heart of the original. I mean, the level design and the layout is solid, the RPD and the sewers especially are beautifully crafted. I don't think that having an over-the-shoulder camera was the right decision, however. The legacy of Ori 4 lingers on in 2019. However, Ori 2 Remake succeeded in bringing back a feeling that I'd missed since 2002, having to open up my map and plan out a route from where I am to where I need to go. I loved that, I missed it, and I was happy to have to do that sort of preparation and planning in an Ori game again. But I have to remind myself that we're no longer living in 2002, or 1998 for that matter. 
2019 Ori 2 is a game designed for the New Age audience of 2019, the audience of Twitch reactions and Mr. X memes and other vapid products of this boom in social media that has happened in the past several years. As of the 1998 audience, I think our time has passed and I think it's time that most of us of the generation realise that and move on. Will I still love the series and play the games? Absolutely. But I also realised that those days I loved will never return, and the Ori 2 remake is perhaps a reminder of that unfortunate reality. Well, uh, we're definitely not getting that coverage from Capcom now, are we? Like, that's that's definitely gone now, isn't it, right? Because th there's no way we can come back from this. Uh, we're way too critical. I mean, we can still get jobs at McDonald's or something. We're going to need to sort something out with that. But uh, until then, uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast and, um, yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> a very dramatic reading there from Mrs. Smith. <laughs> He's a bitter old git, isn't he? <laughs> I want to say there's some fundamental truth to some of the things he's talking about in regards to the appeal of this game, and and not in a, not in the same negative way. But obviously, Capcom has thought about how this appeals. Like we've talked about the speed running elements that the games are made for quick reruns, and the requirements are quite strict. And even this Ghost Survivors DLC is all about rerunning at speeds and using the least amount of ammo and kind of, it's very much a, a, you know, you can stream these on the internet and it is made for that audience. And that's not a bad thing. It's just what the audience is. And the same interview that is going around people, the director talks about being quite surprised by the reaction to the tyrant. And, you know, you start seeing all these PC mods with like the tyrant and a thong and yeah. Leon and a thong. Yeah. <laughs> But why people were doing this? Because I think it's funny. I just saw the one. There's the, the. I assume you guys have seen it. The Thomas the Tank Engine one. Yeah. Um, the one with the squeaky shoes. Like so, the tyrant just squeaks when he walks now, which is hilarious. Like it's they're funny, and this is what the community is going to do with them. It's what it is. You can't change that. And PC games, especially, have always been modded. So there's nothing new in that regard either. Quick word on uh, Ace Combat. It's actually what got me into Resident Evil, inadvertently. When I was <laughs> when I was a kiddly wink, me and my friend went down to block. Buster video to rent out Ace Combat 2 in 1997, and they didn't have it, so ended up with Resident Evil instead. <laughs> Rest history. Wow. Mm. Thank you, Mr. Spencer. Your comments, no matter when they come, enlighten everyone's lives. <laughs> and on that note, it's now time for this week's Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. The quiz. A test of knowledge, especially as a competition between individuals or teams as a form of entertainment usually hosted by a quiz master. Can I just ask, have you had all of these uh, questions independently verified? He doesn't even know the general knowledge stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this bad with quiz master? It's not going to be one of these quizzes, is it? <laughs> I think well, we look, should be. I think we should get another question, John. Don't you? Already fallen into controversy. Already fallen into. Yeah, well, that, that was to be expected. I, I'm once again Nick is at the centre of that controversy. <laughs> Absolutely. This is Neptune's Biohazard Quiz.
Killed Biohazard Quiz. So welcome to the Canon remake to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz, should I say. We've had some questions in from Brad Bishop as well as a few of my own. Uh, so thank you very much. Always uh, appreciate it. So if everyone can clear their desktops, we'll start with question number one. Quite a simple one, I think. Can you name the petrol station seen at the beginning of Resident Evil 2 remake? Hmm. Question number two. Name the two items you can find at Wesker's desk. Mm. Should get that one. Uh, this question comes in from Ploppy54. How long did Jack the canine dog spend in service? <laughs> <laughs> what? Jack the canine dog, one of the dogs in uh, Remake 2. How many years was he in service? Uh, question number four. What is the name of the child that is still missing? Yes. And finally, in the 1998 original game, which location do you leave last to avoid the power cords from failing? So uh, that concludes our five questions this week. Join us after this one. We'll run through those answers. So let's see how everyone has got on. We'll start with question number one. What's the name of the petrol station at the beginning, Rob? Uh, Mizoil or Mizoil. Star Star? Um, I thought it was possibly a trick question. I paid no attention to it whatsoever, so I just went taxi go again. You get taxi go. Uh, Batman? Yeah, Mizoil. It is Mizoil. It is Mizoil. So points to Batman and Rob. Name the two items you can find at Wesker's desk upon inspection of them. Batman, did you know this one? Uh... The battery? You mean physically on his desk? The drawer. All oh, right. Uh, the picture of Rebecca and the gun parts. Okay. Star Stone. I just wrote weapon upgrade and Rebecca photo. Yes. Rombie? Uh, I wrote uh, weapon upgrade and uh, film roll with Rebecca on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be that arsy, are you? I wasn't planning, but then <laughs> Rob just throws that spanner right in there. <laughs> We're all going to get points. Then I thought, wow, technically, do you find a photograph of Rebecca? No, you don't. You find. The... I'm giving the points to Rob only there. No. <laughs> Twat. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just. I would just. That's what I wrote down. That's what it made sense to me. He asked what was in the drawer. <laughs> what was in the drawer? Yes, there's gun parts in the that's wooden harsh. box. You take the these box. canon details far too seriously. Yeah, but see, one of one of one of us had said wooden box. And the other ones that said weapon parts, you know. Like, well, um... Question number three. How long did Jack, the canine dog, spend in service? Start time. Uh, a complete guess at nine years. Do you want to break that down by how many hours and minutes that is? No, but I, I can get the... <laughs> <laughs> Batman. Is this off, like, some random texture off the wall? Because it's not in a file, is it? I have no idea. No idea, I'm afraid, chaps. Ten years. Ten years. Rumby. Seven. I don't know, I'm guessing. <laughs> it's eight. So there we go. It's seven, nine, and ten. Eight. eight. <laughs> <laughs> 
1988 to 1996, apparently. So there we go. Right, question number four. What was the name of the missing girl that was uh, still missing? Um, stars? No idea. Um, uh, Lucy. Okay. Uh, Rombie? I couldn't remember. I remember what it's where it is, but I can't remember. Batman. No idea. I'm sure there's more than one because I did go around looking at all these, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Katie, something, something. Close, close, but no, Scott's Carly with a K. Close. Question number five in the 1998 game: Which location do you leave last to avoid the power cords from failing? Batman needs this point. I still don't really understand the question. Do you mean the power cords for the shutters? Yes. Um, the library. Library. Stars turn. It is in the library. Yeah. Rumby. Yeah, the library written down. Is the library. Well done, well done. Let's have a look on those final scores. The strongest player, because he's holding everyone up, is Stars Tyrant with one. Thanks very much. Batman, two points. But this week's winner is Rombie with three. All over a roll of film. Oh, all over a roll of film. I'm sorry, guys. I really feel bad about it. You hate Nick. From now on, my answers are going to be so fucking detailed. <laughs> We it's like detail. It's going to baffle you so much, and you'll just say, "Yeah, I'm right every time." <laughs> Confuse me with knowledge, which well, that will that will work. That will work. Let's be honest. So uh, that does conclude um, the uh, Neptune's Biohazard Quiz for this podcast. Join us next time when we'll have some more brilliant questions and less brilliant ones too. <laughs> So uh, thank you very much um, for listening, everyone. I hope that's been a really insightful discussion on the canon. Um, apologies if anyone was looking for definitive answers, but I think we've really delved into the implications, the the benefits and the concerns we may have about the canon, where this game fits narratively. And I think we've benefited actually just from Capcom shedding a bit more light on it at the beginning. Coming up, we have lots coming up. Um, some of it I cannot possibly reveal at this time because it's top secret. And uh, other than <laughs> Other than that, we're going to hopefully be getting our Everything You Need to Know video done with Surface Gene on uh, 4D Executor. That's in the works, as well as some of the Resident Evil Gaiden projects that were mentioned at the beginning of the year. And then I will tentatively look forward to E3 as well, which isn't that far away now. So, But we'll keep you updated with um, what we're going to bring out, what podcast is going to be next. And, um, and on that note, I will uh, bid thee farewell. It is goodbye for me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Stars Tyrant. And goodbye from me, Rocky.